Our world started with a data explosion marked by an exponential growth in the volume, velocity, and variety of data being piped in and out of organizations. However, despite this new wealth in technology and data, businesses had never been so challenged to drive revenue growth. Plagued by dark, siloed, unusable data, rendering their go-to-market motions useless. Until one day, the most courageous data heroes took back control of their company's most valuable asset transforming their customer data sets from a burden to a true system of insight, capable of automating sales motions, delivering personalized marketing programs at scale, and driving predictable revenue growth for their business. Welcome to the Data Heroes podcast powered by Ringlead. Welcome, everybody, to another version of Talk Data to Me. Uh, we're very lucky to have a special guest today, Alex Greger. Alex is a four-time Marketo champion. He's the marketing automation manager at Skillsoft, and we are excited to get to know you today, Alex. Great. Thanks, John, for having me. So, Alex, you know, we, we like to first start uh, just learning a little bit more about you and um you know, we see you as a data hero, and and, and we'd like to kind of understand what your journey to becoming a data hero looks like. Sure. So um, I actually uh, started out in kind of the graphic design space, uh, went to school for advertising and design, um, but I got into the digital marketing space very quickly, uh, started out as um, kind of a front-end developer design side of things and uh, slowly creeped into email um, with email became databases and database management, uh, how to expand, grow, how to clean and optimize. And that's kind of how I slowly became part of a, uh, I guess, part of my uh, repertoire is uh, data governance and data management and uh, hygiene and all that jazz. And and you've been a Marketo champion multiple times, and um, you got a kind of a unique story about that. Can you tell us a little about your background as a Marketo champion? Uh, so I've actually uh, been a Marketo champion for four separate companies, or uh, have applied and um, become a Marketo champion uh, from four different companies that I've been a part of. Uh, I actually was... Um, part of the, uh, um, I, I started as a consultant. Uh, so that's kind of where I got uh, my first taste of marketing automation and Marketo in general. Uh, and then have in the past three years switched over to the client side. So uh, it's been a nice background to coming into a client um, client side. And it's been really interesting to see both sides of the business. Yeah, it's a it's a unique um, experience to be able to see it from both sides. Um, is there something in the Marketo ecosystem that caused you to want to attach your personal brand to it? Like, what what was the reason that you wanted to attach your personal brand to Marketo specifically? I kind of look at marketing technology agnostically and company to company, but my sweet spot really has fallen into Marketo. Uh, I think that's twofold. I think that's um, on a kind of kudos to Marketo because it's, to me, from a usability standpoint, somebody jumping in as well as a, a tool that is 
um, built to become kind of a engagement platform as they advertise themselves. It's not specific to email. You can do so much more within the platform. Uh, and then on the other side, uh, I've just kind of been in the platform for seven years now and have really kind of uh, grown to utilize it. I seek out um, companies for next roles and such that have a stack that I'm familiar with. Um, and that's that's because I've I've learned how to use the tool. And I think that's some of sometimes the issue is somebody buys a tool, they don't really know how to use it or how to leverage it to its fullest. Um, so with the experience I've had, I really have learned how to get the most out of the tool. And that's really um, helped me kind of align myself more with them out, um, instead of other uh, maps that are out there. Yeah, I mean, these these marketing automation systems and any software in the cloud, for that matter, are making sprints, you know, they're, 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 um, they're completing sprints, what, two, every two weeks or three months. And so you're always keeping up with new features and functionalities. And so, you know, they kind of follow each other's paths, but uh, it's once you get the, the knowledge base in one, it's kind of hard to maintain that same set of knowledge across multiple systems. Um, let me ask you a quick question. What would you be doing today if you weren't uh, a marketing automation expert? Like in, a, in like back when you were young, what did you want to do? Um, that's interesting question. That's great. Uh, well, if we're talking real young, um, I grew up playing soccer. And so as all little kids in sports, I, of course, wanted to, you know, play professional soccer. Um, but uh, as I grew older, um, I always found myself uh, on the design creative side. Um, but uh, taking a few consumer insight related type of classes, psychology, uh, sociology type of classes, I think if I wasn't in marketing automation, I'd probably go back and do some kind of consumer insight uh, or uh, even further into science uh, side of things on how people think, uh, how people, why people do the things they do, not related to just buying and marketing and sales, et cetera, but just in general, uh, working through their normal day, why they uh, choose to sit on the couch versus go outside or uh, take one route versus another and when they're driving a car. But uh, that, that thought process and kind of um, the science behind it, I find fascinating and have read a lot about kind of that side of things in terms of how we make decisions and why we make decisions and such. Well, I mean, I, I think that that's a, um, you know, a relevant set of activities, even to what you're doing today. Obviously, marketers have access to a ton of data, but you can use it for a lot of different reasons. So, like you said, it doesn't always need to be used to sell and market to people. And there's so many amazing things that you can do with information today that, you know, we're so lucky to be in a world like we are. Um, let me let me kind of switch gears into Marketo and, and data and data quality. 
you know, as as somebody who is administering uh, a large marketing database, um, what are the most common data quality challenges you are facing on a day to day basis? It's a great question. <laughs> um, I would say uh, currently the and what I've actually seen um, in the past two companies is uh, really connecting the dots between um, a persona, a persona, and what I would call codifying that persona, if you will. Uh, so a lot of times when you're in a marketing department, um, you have a uh, Susie Q who you are um, got a picture of and put a bunch of pain points and solutions that you're solving and uh, what they look like, how they feel, how they act. Uh, but from an operations standpoint, one of my biggest challenges is taking that information and looking at it from a database perspective. Like, what does that mean from a database? And that's that's both demographic, firmographic side, but that's also behavioral side of things. So taking those and marrying them together to really create and scale that persona so the end my stakeholder, the end user, digital marketer or uh, campaign operations, whoever may be on the end of building that campaign can easily target those personas for specific campaigns that they want to market to. So, you know, when you're doing persona building, um, you know, I, I know that obviously there are thousands of job titles and, and getting those into, you know, department level persona, it, it can be incredibly challenging. Um, you know, do you guys, do you have any, are you doing, you know, segmentation of these data values in Marketo or, you know, what is the best way that you found to, you know, segment job titles into these personas before you then layer in, you know, scoring and, and, and cross functionality across the firmographics, the demographics and the, uh, you know, the behavior? Yeah, um, uh, standardizations, uh, a key aspect. Uh, I think having discussions internally of, um, and review of where people should fall. But um, a lot of it comes down to uh, the manual effort to try to append that information. Like a lot, of a lot of times you collect on a form maybe somebody's job title. Um, but to aggregate that to a job level or a role or something like that, you have to take the time to analyze the data you have and, and bucket it and create those. And this is one of the reasons I, I like Marketo and use Marketo frequently for is their database management type of functionality and, and tools. So you take those kind of keywords that you find in your audit and analysis and start to bucket those and then you backfill your current database, but then you also have a program running where when somebody brand new fills out a form and they put uh, a job title that may have four or five words in it, uh, you go into that and look for specific keywords and then you kind of have a hierarchy of what uh, level they should be slotted into. Uh, and you really help then um, the 
the end user again, the stakeholder, uh, when they go to send a campaign, they don't have to have 500 job titles and keywords and variations built into their targeted list. Instead, they have um, one filter for job level of C-suite or VP or director, et cetera. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of a, a aspect is, is really uh, auditing and analyzing and then taking that information and applying it to kind of a systematic appending and enrichment um, for the data that comes through. What about for the, the times when you don't have an email or a, a job title? Maybe the record came in with just an email or something. Have you had any um, success using third parties uh, to enhance that data so that your normalization programs can actually be useful uh, on, on, on values that don't have a value? Yeah, so that I mean, there's plenty of enrichment program uh, uh, vendors out there. There's... Um, uh, what what we use here internally is ZoomInfo. Um, we have it plugged in, so when it's a match, uh, it brings in um, specifically any any of those data qualities that uh, might be gapped. Uh, we make sure it matches our uh, list of values that we already have pre-approved, or we translate them to that. Um, and it's used both on the sales and marketing side. So sales uses it to source um, and marketing ops uses it a lot of times for uh, the kind of appending enrichment and completeness of that data set. And we actually run, um, we like to run dashboards in Salesforce on data quality. So uh, we have number of job titles, number of people without uh, job levels that have job titles or number of people that don't have job titles at all. And we, we keep track of that and kind of um, either have a team that would manually kind of go and research um, or identify if they're junk and they're just thrown in like um, ABC on their uh, job title or something like that. And that's why it didn't match or append anything like that. So what about the size of your database? Is it, you know, how, how big is the database or the databases that you've supported in the past? And we're talking about person and company combined records. So um, I'm actually working with one of the, the larger databases I've worked, well, yeah, one of the largest databases I've worked with. We, when I came in, uh, we had a little over 6 million records in our database. Uh, that's contacts, leads, etc. Um, and uh, actually, the one of the big initiatives. I've only been here uh, about nine months now, and one of the big initiatives when I when coming in is uh, setting up kind of hygiene programs. Uh, six plus million. Our average send was only to. Um, maybe a couple hundred thousand though. So there was a large part of the database that was uh, dead, inactive, um, junk, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, that was one of the, the, the big projects is setting up ongoing hygiene that collects and kind of aggregates records, but also um, going through the database itself and 
fishing out those people that really should not be there. And um, it can help both our our price tag on Marketo, but also help our overall campaigns, ensuring we're uh, emailing, cap- capturing most up-to-date information, emailing most up-to-date records, all of that. Yeah, I, I you know, when, when I talk about to, to my family or friends that may not know what I what I really do, you know, because it's a specialty industry. I, I sometimes explain it. Well, you know, at its core, marketing ops does a lot of things, right? But what we're really doing is we're maximizing the number of qualified participants for any sales and marketing campaign by doing things like spilling small gaps with enriching data and then transforming it into, um, you know, less complex reporting structure. So if you want to market to every good record in California in your database, um, a marketing ops person to make sure that you maximize the number of people that make it into that report. Uh, and like you said, instead of having 200,000 go out and ascend, um, that may or may not be qualified for what you're trying to personalize. Maybe you get that to three, four, five hundred thousand that are perfect for that campaign, and you start to think about the downstream revenue effects or success rates from a sales or marketing professional or the end users, what you call them, you know, can make huge gains. But it's at the end of the day, you're just populating targeted lists with with more names and, and the right names, right? Exactly. You you summed it up. You son, I, I wish I, I want you to write that down and send it to me so then I can uh, tell my wife that and my friends and, <laughs> and give them. That's a great way to summarize. And, and, and to some other people, I just tell my work with computers. So, you know, there's two. <laughs> I usually go with digital marketing uh, because most people understand that broad aspect of uh, they they don't quite understand the operation side of it yet. Yeah, um, you know, I, I I I'm I think that today's revenue operations leaders will be tomorrow's business leaders um, because you have access to all of the information, the inner workings, and how um, to scale the business. Right? It's um, it's not that you, you know the marketing ops or sales ops teams are doing these one-off projects. It's that you're supporting scale across the organization, um, which is it's really exciting to me. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Full Story and kind of what you guys what you guys do and who you support? Sure. Yeah. So uh, Skillsoft is a, a enterprise learning platform. Uh, so we have different products: uh, leadership, and business, compliance tech and dev, uh, where we uh, enable um, a company to supply um, ways for growth within their employee um, database so that they come in and uh, they can take leadership classes and learn how to kind of grow in their uh, current position and, and become a leader. Uh, they can learn uh, tactical skills in kind of the tech and dev space like uh, R or Python or something like that. Uh, so um, we uh, tailor mostly towards uh, the enterprise, but we do have a e-commerce um, kind of uh, uh, business for kind of a B2C uh, side of the um, side as well. Yeah, you just actually answered my question. I said 6 million records. Um, and it sounds like you have a 
B2C component in there as well. That's usually when I see a B2B database reach that size, there's always a, a consumer uh, kind of channel within the database. How do you, how do you work with, you know, what is, what are the challenges that you've run into having to manage a consumer data set alongside a B2B data set? And, and do you have any way to kind of cross link a, the B2C data set back up to the business data set? That is a big proponent of some of our like small business side of things is uh, they come in as e-commerce or a single user. Um, and uh, we start to see then maybe multiple people from that company sign up uh, and we um, take advantage of that and try to instill why they should sign up for kind of uh, a regular uh, package that would allow them to scale, grow in their seat count, all of that kind of stuff. So it's really important to us to keep an eye on that B2C side. Uh, sometimes it's uh, personal email addresses. So a lot of times we have to kind of um, do some digging or um, allowing us to kind of uh, see beyond um, just the initial email that comes in. Uh, but that's definitely a, a major proponent in us growing our small business segment is uh, seeing people come in one by one uh, and trying to introduce reasons why they should grow and be, uh, become kind of a full contract within their uh, business entirety. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of, you know, go-to-market motions being driven in our space, like, right, SaaS technology with some sort of freemium offer, which asks for little information. Um, and then it goes into a database that's also associated to accounts, right? So, um, you know, intent can be purchased by all from third parties, but you can also get amazing intent from your own first party interactions. So when you've got a freemium offer that, you know, all of us, we like to sign up for free stuff, free stuff with our personal emails and not give a lot of info. And so, like what we found is is helpful is being able to, um, in that motion, link those people by enhancing that data through a combination of vendors, right? When you got a personal email, you might have to hit two, three, four, five different sources until you get a hit back, right? And then you might have a business profile. So now you're linking that person to an account. And the more people in your free trial database or your freemium database that you can link to the account database um, drives more uh, insights and ability to prioritize outbound follow-up for the account managers in the Salesforce CRM. And so if you can kind of, we found if you can enhance those freemium profiles, link them to their proper account at the highest rate possible, that's going to increment your account scores. Um, and, and account scores for me, you know, I'm a salesperson at heart. I'm also a marketer, but um we love to actually prioritize accounts. We like lead scores and stuff too, but we're not a hundred percent like oh we we believe in them every time. But like if we see that an account has demographics that are proper, maybe technographics, maybe you know they 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 have some cash on their balance sheet or they raise some some capital and they've got ten free trials in the last three days, like we're gonna call those people immediately. So um, you know, do you guys kind of support that motion of Hey, using a freemium product to drive intent at the account level so that you can prioritize, you know, which accounts to go after. 
Yeah, we yeah we definitely kind of have that that strategy and and um, it's kind of a, a manual effort at this time, but we really kind of look to um, kind of see in aggregate. There's a lot of uh, close eyes on the e-commerce uh, data coming in, um, and as we kind of see that trend of maybe a handful of people coming in from kind of a similar uh, company. Um, and sometimes it's not even the exact same company. Sometimes it's uh, different departments uh, or different branches of a larger organization where um, we might have uh, somebody from a U.S. and EMEA um, from two, from kind of a, a same overarching account or overarching company, but uh, they they don't connect the dots until we kind of take a look and kind of uh, understand that they, um, at a account hierarchy standpoint, are really from a, a similar source. And then we kind of hand that information over and allow our BDRs and our sales reps to kind of try to uh, grow deeper into that account. So it sounds kind of like you're when you came on at your new company, they were already kind of bought into addressing data hygiene and you know, kind of that's one of your core reasons for coming in is coming in, clean the database, get it into a state where, you know, maybe you're reducing uh, bounces or spam rates and you're impacting the number of qualified participants that make it into campaigns. And then obviously managing the life cycle from beginning to end of a relationship. Um, but for those of us who don't have that same level of buy-in from executive leadership, um, what do you, what would you say, um, how, how, what is the best way to position the the cost or you know whether that's money or missing opportunity of not having your data in the right place um and and, and positioning it to somebody who's sponsoring a pro your project i think uh there's there's a couple of ways but um giving tactical reasons uh delivery rate will increase is not the route to go stick with kind of the impact on the revenue. Uh, so really ensuring you understand um, how the cleanup will affect the pipeline. And uh, once you understand that and can provide, whether it's a, a deck or uh, just a series of bullets, whatever it might be on how your cleanup effort is going to affect that, that revenue, I think that's what's key. Uh, so uh, key areas that I look at is um, initial cost savings on your technology, um, uh, time and effort uh, through a BDR or a sales rep that's spending time on junk records or receiving junk records or sourcing their own data going out and getting an email, getting a lead, but it has only uh, two pieces of data information. And so they have to spend the time to go out and source their own data. Um, all of those types of things are uh, cost savings. And then the other side of it is, is how it will improve revenue. So yes, it'll improve uh, from a database hygiene perspective, 
it may improve deliverability, but instead of saying it'll improve deliverability, showcase that now that you have an engaged and correct set of data, you are going to uh, have much more improved engagement on your marketing, which will increase the number of leads coming through uh, to your BDR team, which will then increase the number of MQLs coming through and uh, sustaining a, a, a larger pipeline uh, moving forward. So uh, really taking it to that next next stage um, and not focusing on, oh, I took my database from 6 million to 4.5 million, or I, I took my um, deliverability from 90% to 98%, but really focusing on the, the revenue driving reasons that data has really helped uh, improve your business. I love that. And, you know, we've, for about 11 years, I've I found a lot of studies about the cost of dirty data on demand generation. And there's a couple that just keep going back to the, that same fundamental. It says, okay, if you can compare an average database to a best practice database um, based on, you know, the quality of the data, what is basically, let's say you had 100,000 names and um, the average database was 75% you know, segmented and had information that could be utilized for personalization. And then the, the other one has 90%. Um, well, you're going to get more inquiries right off of that can't, same campaign you're going to run on the database in, in every circumstance in this case. And after that, with more data, you're going to personalize better, which means you're going to increase the, the percentage of inquiry to MQL slightly, not a, not a crazy increase. Um, and in that same study, it said, this is my favorite part, if you enforce an SLA between sales and marketing on lead response time, then you should be able to increase your MQL to SAL rate. And from there on out, if the close rate is the same down the pipeline, um, that calculation works out to about 70% additional pipeline and revenue. And that's how we educate to, 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 to utilize this motion is, hey, more targets, more qualified targets, more pipeline, more revenue. And I think you said it perfectly um, in, in terms of how to not focus on the tactics like, hey, we're going to reduce our storage costs by 10,000 bucks or whatever. That That's nice, right? But the the two to three million dollars additional in quarters, much nicer than that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really think that, you know, you've been uh, an amazing guest here today. I think we're going to need to to schedule you twice or, or two, twice or three more times down the road. Um, but I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, before we part ways and, and get back to our days, um, are there any tips or tricks or, or, or new technology that uh, Marketo has come out with that you think, you know, maybe a new user or maybe an established user who's looking to get a, an advance in their career should be really paying attention to? As far as new features, um, not, nothing really. I think a one of the most underused aspects of Marketo, and people don't always know how powerful it is, is a simple people performance report um, allowing you to understand your database in a pivot table type of way 
um, allowing you to segment and slice and dice the data. So they have the RCE platform that allows really advanced slicing and dicing. But uh, even if you don't have that, the people performance report is like, that's how I use on a regular basis, um, understanding sources that are bringing in data that is not compliant. Uh, for instance, like bringing in uh, somebody's uploading a list and none of the values fit our values or anything like that. Like the that is that is one of the the biggest uh, items that I use. Uh, I just sat on a um, mug meeting yesterday. It was awesome uh, talking about email frequency reporting uh, and utilizing the people performance report on that, which was awesome on understanding how frequent you're emailing your database. So uh, from, from a tip and trick standpoint, I think understanding how uh, you can utilize that people performance report to really uh, start to understand your data better and improve your data, use it to, to help build. Um, you can start with baby steps. It, it's very easy to set up a normalization campaign or a standardization campaign in your database, but really keep having those checks and balances in place really helps you from letting your database get out of control. Well, that's, that's a uh, great feedback. I think users always love to understand the tips and tricks that aren't going to cost them a ton of extra money. And it sounds like this is a nice native feature that doesn't require a bunch of upgrades. And, and, and so I think that'll get put to tremendous use and, probably is uh, absolutely by most of the people watching today. But if you're not, um, go take a look at the people performance report. And I'm sure that uh, the people in the Marketo community or or maybe even Alex himself, if you reach out on LinkedIn, will give you some good use cases there and uh, maybe you'll templatize your experience a little bit. But, um, you know, Alex, we really appreciate your time here today. Um, you know, provide some amazing insights and experience and um, you know, just goes to show that the the community that Marketo has put together, the user um, uh, groups, and the you know the champion programs, and and the Marketo Summit, and everything uh, that that they do, just creates a great network of people. And uh, Alex, we appreciate you today. Thank you so much for for joining us. Awesome. I'm happy to be here, and thank you so much for the opportunity of talking with you, John. All right. Have a great day. You too. Thanks.